Anyhow, this morning we uh, continue our series of messages based on the Lord's Prayer. And thank you, Lorraine, for, uh, for singing that for us this morning. And thank you, worship team, for, uh, for leading us in our singing as well. Um, but as I said a couple of weeks ago, this would be more appropriately named the Disciples' Prayer. Because after watching Jesus and his prayerful dependence on God the Father, one of Jesus' disciples finally asked him, Lord... Teach us how to pray. And Jesus simply responded, When you pray, say. And then he went on to give them an outline to follow, a pattern, a a blueprint, if you will. He said that this is how they should pray, not necessarily what they should pray. And although there is evidence that this prayer was used very early in church liturgies, it clearly was intended to provide a basic outline to guide our prayers. And as we've seen, the the focus in these verses begins with God, and specifically His name, His kingdom, and His will. We've already discovered that this is a very personal prayer, in that it is not directed to some distant, impersonal being, but to our Father, or even to our Daddy, Abba Father. And because God is a personal God, he cares for us and the things that we care about. But not only is God personal, he's also powerful. He is our Father in heaven. And we are to hallow his name, to honor his name, to be in awe of him, because his name reflects his character and his essence. He's the daddy of those who have come to receive and trust Jesus. And his children come to him with a sense of intimacy, but without losing any of the awe and the reverence that he deserves. Last week, Dr. Sid Page taught us about the next two requests that also focus on God. We pray, asking God to allow his kingdom, his rule to come into our lives, to allow his kingdom, his rule, to come into, into the lives of men and women and for his will to become the central focus of our lives. We simply pray in this prayer to align our will with his, and when we pray this prayer, it assumes our obedience to his will. And now, only after focusing our first thoughts on God, on his name, on his kingdom, and on his will, Only now do we then turn to our needs. And if we just stop and think about it, isn't this the primary principle that we should be learning about about prayer? Because if we honestly evaluate our prayers, don't they typically focus on our needs first? And and I I know that's my tendency. It's it's immediately to go to that shopping list, to jump in and and to to just to remind God of the things that are important to us. And then maybe we end with, uh, and God, I know you're powerful enough to do this. And so we kind of reverse it. We put our needs first and then focus on God. And I believe that Jesus is reminding us and teaching us that we start first with God and then focus on our needs. But Jesus teaches disciples and us then to start with God and his glory before we ever come to our needs. And with this verse, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, and in Luke chapter 11, verse 3, we simply have this phrase, give us each day our daily bread. 
And so the focus dramatically shifts from God and his glory to man and his needs. The prayer focuses from your, your name, your kingdom, your will, suddenly to us and to our. And then we have three more requests. The first one addresses seeking God for our daily needs, and then our need for forgiveness, and finally, for protection from temptation. And in each case, it is an expression of dependence on our Heavenly Father. This reminds me of a verse that is often a a Sunday school memory verse. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Put your emphasis first on God and who He is. And all of these things will be given to you as well. It's about putting God first in our lives. And then it's reflected in our prayers before ever focusing on our needs. And in these three short requests, give us, forgive us, lead us not, we cover everything. There is nothing that isn't included in these three prayers, as we'll see in a moment. But there's a very simple principle here for us to grasp. Because if we start with God, we're reminded because of who God is, He understands our needs. And the scripture says that he already knows what it is that we're going to pray to him about. But he understands our needs. And because of him being God, he can, in fact, meet them. And that is why Jesus said that we are to pray to the Father about our needs. And we start by praying, give us each day our daily bread. Some of the early church fathers, they spiritualized this reference to bread. And they thought that it meant that it referred to Jesus, who identified himself as the bread of life. And in some cases, to even refer to the bread served at communion. The argument was that it just seemed suddenly too, you know, earthly or or too shallow, too trivial to switch from the awesomeness of God and his majesty and his holiness to something as ordinary as groceries. But that is exactly what it says. And that's what it means. Bread. Bread is the food that sustains our bodies. It refers to everything that we must have in order to live. And so there's no need to spiritualize this. Just see it for what it is. A request that we might be supplied with all that we need for our daily existence. This is amazing, isn't it? Our Father in heaven cares about the items on our grocery list. Food for our next meal matters to him. And the focus of the request is for daily bread. And the word translated daily bewildered scholars for centuries. This is the only place in these two verses, in Matthew and in Luke, where this word occurred inside or outside the Bible. And then some time ago, an archaeologist dug up a papyrus fragment that contained a shopping list. And next to several items was scribbled this word for daily. It probably meant enough for the coming day. This phrase we were looking at should be translated, give us today bread enough for tomorrow. 
When prayed in the morning, it is a prayer for the needs in the hours ahead. Prayed in the evening, it's a request for the needs of the next day. So the implication is, of course, that God will supply everything that we need to honor Him and to do His will. God providing for our daily needs. Reminds me of the Old Testament experience of God's people in the wilderness. There God provided manna from heaven every single day. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 16. But they were given very specific instructions. The people were to gather only enough manna for that day and no more. God's purpose in this was to see if they would actually live in daily obedience. And God made it clear that there were to be no leftovers, no carryover to the next day. Now I have to read these two verses for you, because maybe it's been a while. Verses 19 and 20. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. Okay? You and I, that's straightforward. We understand that. Don't keep any of it until the next day. However, as is true to human nature often, we're not sure if God's going to provide for our needs the next day. And so what did they do? The scripture says that some of them paid no attention to Moses. That was their first mistake. They kept part of it until morning. That was their second mistake. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. Isn't that a graphic picture? So Moses was angry with them. No kidding. He just said, don't keep any till the morning. They disregarded that. They kept it till the morning thinking that that would meet their needs for the next day. And it was completely ruined. It had gone bad overnight. And the amazing thing about how God put this whole plan in motion to feed the Israelites is he said on the sixth day, you're actually to collect twice as much since there will be none available on the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting that if they kept it on day one and enough for day two, it went bad. But if they collected enough on day six for day six and day seven, God was able to supernaturally keep it from going bad. This extra manna was protected by God. And the Bible actually records that some people still went out on the Sabbath. Isn't that, isn't that probably what we would do? Because we're like, oh, we kept some stuff from day three to day four and it went bad. So I don't want to keep anything on day six. I know what God said and everything, but I got to keep enough for day six, for day seven. But I'm going to go and see if there's, you know, some stuff there that I need to get. And of course, there was none available, just as God had told them. I don't know about you, but I look at the, just the simplicity of that truth and find it completely amazing. Here's God providing manna to eat every single day, telling them clearly not to be selfish and to hoard it and having it go bad if they did, and then specifically telling them to gather enough on the sixth day to cover for the seventh because he would choose not to make it available on the Sabbath. 
And without it getting into great detail, I think that there's some lessons to be learned from this. One is simply daily dependence on God. It brings us back to that. Can we trust God each and every day to provide for us for what we need for that day? The other lesson, I think, is the importance of the Sabbath. God clearly had a a, a different perspective on that seventh day. And thirdly, the sinfulness of selfish hoarding. As I said, I'm not going to expand on those lessons because I think they're clear enough. But learning these lessons helps us to see that we are not to trust in what has been provided, but to trust in the one who provided it in the first place. And at the end of Exodus chapter 16, Moses instructs Aaron to fill a jar with some manna to keep in the tabernacle as a visual reminder that while in the wilderness for 40 years, let's not miss that point, right? God, every single day, providing enough for them to eat for 40 years years. He tells Aaron to take this jar, fill it with manna so that everyone would see it, and that they would have this visual reminder that God never once missed a single day in giving the Israelites their daily bread. Don't we need visual reminders sometimes? Maybe we need to just, I know in our culture it wouldn't take long for that bread to go bad, but Maybe we just need to have a a loaf of bread somewhere in our kitchen or dining room or somewhere just to remind us that, yeah, that's what God provides. Because God is a God who provides. I mean, as amazing as this is, I realize that it's hard for us to relate in our culture. We have freezers and refrigerators. We rarely purchase food for a single day. Just yesterday, Tina was doing meal planning for this week and checking to see what we had in the house and then making her grocery list based on what she needed to make those meals. And then finally at one point said, oh, I'll just pick up those buns on Thursday so that they're fresh. But everything else, we're set to go. And the truth is, we have so much food. Our pantry is full. If we stopped buying groceries today, we probably could eat for weeks. Mind you, it would probably get rather boring after a while. Cereal, crackers, chips. You know, not exactly a balanced diet, but because we have so much food on hand, we don't even have to acknowledge that the meals that we have come from God. And we certainly don't need to bother asking God for more food. Because in a land of plenty, praying for bread seems so trivial. But if you live in a place where you don't know where your next meal is coming from, this is a very significant prayer. And Jesus here was speaking to people who were paid daily for the work that they achieved, and they took their daily wages and bought food. This reminds me of many of the families that we met of, met or heard about in in El Salvador, where dad would go off to work for just a few days or or maybe a couple weeks because that was the only amount of work that they could find. And during those few days would earn just enough to buy some food for the next few days and hopefully see them through until he was able to find a few days work again. 
We know nothing about daily dependence like that. And yet God says to us, this is how you should pray. Give us each day our daily bread. So what exactly are we praying for? Is Jesus teaching us just to pray for bread? Remember, he is teaching us how to pray, not what to pray for necessarily. So there is much more here than just praying for bread. When we say, give us bread, we are in essence praying for our basic material needs, the basic necessities of life, the bare necessities of life. Anybody feel a song coming on? Right? Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. What? Anybody with me now? You know, forget about your worries and your strife. I mean, the bare necessities. That's why a bear can rest at ease with just the bare necessities of life. Really, I mean, it is pretty amazing that this is, that this is first on the list. But if we know God, not really all that surprising. I mean, it just reminds us that God the Father cares about our practical, material, and personal concerns. Isn't that what Jesus meant when he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25? Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Hmm, maybe that's what it is. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, our Father, our Daddy, He knows our needs and is able to tell the differences between needs 
and desires. We pray for bread, a basic need. We don't need to pray for wants or for luxuries or for things that are going to just make us comfortable. We pray for bread, not black forest cake with cherries on top. We pray for enough for the day. Not that God will fill our pantries to overflowing. We ask for the essentials to take us through tomorrow. And by praying to our Father, we are already admitting that He knows what's best. And what we might see as a need, God may actually see as excessive. And here the truth of Proverbs 3, 8, and 9 applies, says, Give me enough food to live on, neither too much nor too little. If I'm too full, I may get independent saying, God, who needs him? If I'm poor, I might steal and dishonor the name of my God. Somehow the word contentment comes to mind for me. So do we ask God to provide for us? When we pray, give us, what can we be asking for? Obviously, Jesus does teach us to pray for bread, a staple diet, a staple in our diets, at least in in most cases. But it's not only literal bread. Bread in Hebrew meant all kinds of nutrition. Food is one of life's essential needs, but it's not the only one. And this request is broad enough to cover everything that we must have in order to live and to cope. It would include spiritual needs and physical needs and emotional needs and relational needs and and, and material needs, sometimes big things, but even usually little things. Specifically, what can and should we pray for? We can pray for shelter. But need over luxury comes to mind here. We can pray for clothing. But often our closets are so full, we have to ask ourselves, is this really a need? We can pray that God would meet financial needs. We could pray for emotional strength. We can pray for clarity of mind. We can pray that God would give us friends and the opportunity to experience community. We can pray for transportation, again, as needed. We can pray that God would would equip us for our job, that that, that we would have an opportunity for education, that we'd have an opportunity to develop our career and have a future. We can pray for all of those things because God cares about those things. We can pray even specifically in asking God to help us to get done what we need to get done on this very day, to be our very best. We can even pray for sleep, that God would grant us a good night's sleep. Why? Because it's a basic physical need. And I could go on, but here's the point. Basically, everything that is essential to our well-being 
for food, for health, for housing, whatever it is. The point is that it is okay and right to pray for our daily needs. It's okay to pray for a job in order to have money to buy food. It's okay to ask God for the clothes that we need to work on the job in order to have the food that we need. It's okay to pray for transportation to get us to the job so that we can earn the money to buy the bread. You see, the bottom line is this, that God knows our needs and he's concerned about them. It's amazing, isn't it? Because if it matters to us, it matters to our Father in heaven. And by teaching us to pray, give us today our daily bread. He is inviting us to participate in his care for us. Imagine this. The great creator and sovereign God of heaven and of earth stoops to where we are and where our needs are. Well, in closing, there are two observations to make, I think, that are important. And I've just called this two things to be. Number one, if we pray this prayer, it also requires us to be generous. To be generous. You see, this prayer is also about asking for others. Notice that it isn't, give me today my daily bread. But rather, give us today our daily bread. Notice right away the emphasis on the community of believers. It basically is reminding us to pray for others in need as well. Not just my daily bread, but yours as well. This prayer causes us to think of others, to think of those in need. God gives us all that we need and then some so that we can cheerfully and generously give to others. That is why James writes, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? He gives us an example. He says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and well-fed. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, if I sincerely pray this prayer, It will deliver me from selfishness and from hoarding. We already saw what happened when the Israelites disobeyed God by taking more manna than they needed for that day. But here's the point. If the Father supplies me with two loaves and my brother or my sister with none, I understand that God has indeed answered our prayers. And that extra loaf isn't for storing but for sharing. Often my dad and I, I sometimes ask our kids and Tina if I can use them in an illustration, but not always. And I've never asked my dad for permission to use them as an illustration, so I hope he forgives me on this. 
But often my dad will be over and he'll give Lucas or Anna 20 bucks. But only because one of the other isn't around. (laughs) And he'll tell the one that he gives the $20 to that they're supposed to give $10 to the other person. And whenever he does this, and both Lucas and Anna respond in exactly the same way, I always see this mischievous little grin on their face, and I know exactly what they're thinking. Hmm. The other one isn't even here, and will never know that Opa gave me money to give to them. I could just keep this for myself, and they'll never know. But that would be wrong, right? It would be selfish. It would be greedy. Everything that generosity isn't. When God gives to us and meets our needs and then some, we have an obligation to be generous and to share with others. So be generous. Secondly, be grateful. You see, I also think this prayer is designed to make us grateful. Indeed, our Father cares about the little things, and by praying to Him for our needs, we will grow to see that everything that we have is a gift from His hand to be received with thanks. God is the source of every good thing. And so let's remember to thank Him for everything. Just thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. The psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And so never, 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 ever take for granted all the good things that God provides. And so yes, it was Jesus who taught his disciples and us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. And it was also Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. And by referring to himself in this way, he was making the point that he, in who he is, nourishes people spiritually and satisfies the deep spiritual longings of their souls. By saying, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus was saying that the spiritual longing to know God will be completely satisfied in Jesus. And again, Jesus knew our need and he met it. When simply put, our greatest need ever has been the forgiveness of our sins. He met that need too and died in our place. Before going to the cross, He gathered his disciples and he took an ordinary loaf of bread and broke it, gave thanks and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Our greatest need met. 
And when our needs are met, there's only one way to respond, by giving thanks. And so this morning we appropriately gather around this table. And it's an opportunity then for us to remember, to remember that our need was met, and then to express our gratitude. That the one who meets our need for bread that the one who is the bread of life meets our soul's need for spiritual satisfaction. He is the one who takes the bread and gives thanks and says, this is for you.